I'm going to introduce an incredible man, an incredible, incredible man. I have known this man. I was writing, looking at my notes. Gosh, his name is Dave Ryder. He's the leader slash senior pastor, however his title would like to form, of Kelmscott Church. And I have known this man, my goodness me, I think from my early 20s. Yeah, man, it is a really, 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 37, I'm happy to announce, I don't mind, 37, so you do the math, 20, early 20s, let's say 22 to 37, whatevs that is, I'm not good at maths, 15, 15 years, 15 years, oh my gosh, and I have had the privilege and the opportunity to work alongside this man, particularly in the youth ministry area, but we've certainly worked in other areas where it's been life groups and small groups and other things. And this man is a remarkable man. He knows the heart of God and seeks after the heart of God. He chooses to live a life that honors him and honors the way God has called him to live. Has a beautiful wife, Andrea, and two beautiful children. And I am just excited to see what he's going to deposit into our house. So listen in, engage, and enjoy. Dave, come on up. How's everyone doing? Is this on? I'm just going to grab a... What are you about at, Louis? Everything. <laughs> it's okay. I know Louis pretty well. It's kind of funny because um, my wife used to work with um, Mark. And even to this point, she still says that Mark's the best boss she's ever had. Um, so you go figure. And um, I used to work with Louie. So it was kind of that cross sort of thing. It was, it was really, really cool. And we had Mark come over to Kelmscott, oh, it's about four weeks ago or so. So you guys absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. Cool. I'm not going to waste too much time saying anything about me because Louie's just done that. So we're going to go into, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go into Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 to 8. And really believe in God's going to speak to all of us, myself included. Um, and um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to go. So God, we do come before you in the name of Jesus. And um, as we sit here, as we're in this moment, we understand that you, <coughs> you were the one who's ordained every day of our life, God. And you brought us together. So we ask that you would come and speak to us, that you would touch us, you would change us, that you would not leave us the same. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Cool. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 5. To, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to act like I'm, well, I am like just part of the team here. <laughs> yeah, part of the family. So there we go. <laughs> Matthew chapter 10, verse 5 to 8. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instruction. Do not go amongst the Gentiles or... Enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. <clears throat> kind of been going through this stage um, probably the last couple of months actually, ever since um, our, our youngest boy was born, which is about 12, 12 weeks ago. And man, doesn't that change your life? <laughs> You know, like, can you remember, like, when you're just having your, your kid, right? And you say to someone, like an older person, say, yeah, we're having our kid. And, and they just give you that smile that's kind of like, you're going to get it. 
I now understand what they were on about. But anyway, last couple of months, it's been like sort of having God deal with my heart, especially when it comes to my, like what he's called me to do in our church and, and things like that. And, and I was reading through this, just these three verses, only three verses, and, and it was particularly the last line that seems to be resonating and bubbling inside of me at the moment. And I, I'm kind of just brewing on it. Um, the line is simply this, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. And I'm starting to sort of think about and understand, well, you know what? If I actually take those words of Jesus, right? And they were spoken over 2,000 years ago. And if I brought them to you 2013, and if I apply that to my life, what would the implications be if I actually lived out those words in my local life, in my local community and all that? More astoundingly, what would it be like if, if my family actually took those words and actually started outworking that stuff? And even more incredibly, what would it be like if the church took those words and actually started outworking those words in the local community? I mean, what could possibly happen if we actually took to heart, freely you have received, freely give? I mean, I've just been thinking about that, so I'm just kind of letting you win in my own psyche, so I hope you don't get freaked out too much. So it's kind of thinking about that. And I'm coming to just realize that, you know, at the point of salvation, at the point where I actually gave my life to Jesus, right? That, that moment in human history when, when Dave Ryder comes and says, I'm no longer going to go my way. God, I'm going to go your way. I understand you're there. You're loving and all that. At that point, something absolutely radical happened in my life. We would actually say that, that, that even ontologically, we would say that the essence of who I am, I may look the same, I still have no hair, I've got freckles and all that sort of stuff. I may have looked the same, but on the inside, something incredible happened at that point, didn't it? We would actually say that, that now I'm no longer living by myself. I'm actually living with God. I have the Holy Spirit with me, don't I? I mean, I have the Holy Spirit with me and in me and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And if I understand that, I actually walk with the fullness of God every single day of my life. And if I walk with the fullness of God every single day of my life, that makes me one of the most powerful men who walk on the face of the earth because I walk with God. My goodness, what does that mean for me? And it seems to me that, 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 that all of heaven is looking, looking at Dave and sort of saying, Dave, I can see what you got. I can see what you received. And, and they're waiting and they're, and they're looking and they're asking the question, what are you going to do with what you've received? What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? I mean, you've got something so incredible. What are you going to do with it? You know, at the um, end of every year that we have these big lotto draws, right? Where they sort of give out this ridiculous amount of money. Anyone won like one of that forty million? Because like the, you can tie that right now if you want. To. <laughs> but like at the end of it, that happens, right? In fact, um, it was this year in America they had the biggest lotto. That was just ridiculous amount of money. And at the end of every year when that comes up, Andrew and I are always talking. I always say to her, like, imagine if we won that money. And she said, Well, Dave would probably help you if you bought a lotto ticket. Um, True, but I'm always thinking, what would we do? If I won $40 million, what would I do with it? And, and we'd be talking about things like, I mean, we, we, we're up in, in, in the city of Armidale. And um, I'm thinking, you know, I'd love to actually help the whole accommodation problem in, in WA. At the moment, we've got this amazing thing called Cafe Lear. And, and every Tuesday, we put out like um, um, over 300 meals. And they have a budget of 350 bucks. So I'm thinking... Imagine how many more people we could feed if we got this sort of thing. But it makes sense. If I get this blessing, then you do something with it, don't you? Yeah. A couple of months ago, I went to this communication um, workshop. And uh, it was led by this woman called Karen Smith. 
And Karen Smith is a phenomenal woman. She was one of the survivors of the Bali bombings. And the way her story goes is that she was um, living the life with her partner. They were earning good money and, and all this sort of stuff. And, and unbeknown to her, her, her partner was really struggling, came to the point where he committed suicide. And she perceived that as it was actually her fault. And just thinking that way spiraled her into this, this thing of depression. And she made the decision to go to Bali to end her life. That was the purpose, reason she went there. Unknown to her, she goes to Bali and she is stuck in the middle of these Bali bombings and she survived. And her whole message, it completely changed her life. Her whole message is basically this. It took a bomb under my backside to make me realize I've got something to give. What about you? That's her message. But we sort of understand that if you get a blessing, if you get a second chance, especially if you have a second chance of life. If you ever see someone who's got a second chance of life, there's usually a ferocity behind them, isn't there? There is a ferocity. There is an intent. There is a purpose that sort of drives them. And we sort of understand that if I have a blessing, well, then that must mean that I have a responsibility to do something with that blessing. It seems weird to actually have something given to me and to sit on it and do nothing. That seems really odd. And as we look at these three verses, I want to keep that in mind. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian in the city of Belmont? I love the city of Belmont. Um, I used to do a lot of stuff in Belmont City College. Man, that was interesting. <laughs> the principal loved us going and doing stuff there because every time we did a lunchtime program or a breakfast program, it meant there was less fighting in the school. That's why they loved us going over there. But what would it mean? To actually take that and apply. And, and I reckon in these three verses, Jesus has given some great instructional advice. He's given some great instructional wisdom. There is a precursor. It was relevant back to over 2,000 years ago, but it's still relevant today. And it's kind of a precursor to what the vision and the mission of the church ought to be. And um, we're going to go into that. So in light of that, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be sent by Jesus? What does it mean? Now you're a Christian. Now what? So what? Is there any reason? Is there any purpose? So I'm going to make some observations. Number one, first observation making from this. This idea of relationship. 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 Matthew um, chapter 10 verse 5 says this. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go amongst the Gentiles or enter any town in, um, of the Samaritans. So these 12, these 12 guys, they're sent out by Jesus, right? Now, before they were sent out by Jesus, what do you reckon they were doing? They were hanging out with Jesus, right? They're just chilling with Jesus. You know, they're, they're walking with Jesus, they're talking with Jesus, they're like kicking stones on the road with Jesus, they're, they're, they're like cursing fig trees for some reason with Jesus. They're, they're doing all sorts of these, all, all kind of these things. And I reckon they would have been pretty mischievous as well. Because I know like, they, they, they would just have joy and, and life inside of them. And there would just be this glint of mischievousness. And, and so imagine hanging out with Jesus. I mean, it's one thing like, to hang out with Louis. That's pretty cool because we got up to some pretty mischievous stuff when we were like, doing ministry and all that. But to hang out with Jesus, that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Could you imagine? I mean, you wake up in the morning. What do you reckon you'd get up to? You sort of wake up and sort of say, well, I wonder what we're going to do today. 
Because yesterday we went into a temple and we got a whip and we whipped them and they all got to imagine what we're going to do today. Uh, I mean, like a couple of days ago, like we were like healing the sick. Imagine what could happen to imagine literally walking with Jesus. Before these guys were sent, they were hanging out with Jesus. They had this relationship with Jesus. They knew Jesus. Jesus knew them. There was a foundation before they were sent out. They were actually with Jesus. You know, before Jesus was crucified, the night before, he actually said to his disciples in John chapter 14, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him and he lives in you, for he will be with you. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. This is the night before he's going to be betrayed and, and all that. And what Jesus was saying is that I want you to understand and recognize that I'm going to leave you, but you're not going to be left alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So some significant words there. When, when Jesus said, I'm going to send another that word actually means another of the same kind. When Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but it's going to be better I go away. But don't worry, there's going to be someone else who's going to come and they're going to be just like me. He's going to be just like me. Just like walking with me, like, 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 like joking with me and talking with me and doing life with me. That's what it's going to be. And the other word there, I'm going to send you another advocate. Advocate. That word means one who is called alongside. This is going to be someone who's just like me. He's going to be walking alongside you in your life. That's what the Holy Spirit's supposed to be in our life. Jesus is saying that. Exactly like Jesus. And um, kind of makes you think what our sort of relationship is supposed to be with the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes I reckon we think, or we live like the Holy Spirit's like a third wheel. Have you ever been like going out and you're like the third wheel? Anyone know that? Like you go out with a couple and they're lovey-dovey. They're kissing, they're holding hands. and It's disgusting, right? They're out there and like, oh, they're, they're like hugging each other. And you're just like standing alongside. Like, yeah, cool. Awesome. Um, <laughs> awkward. <laughs> you know, and they're over there. And, and the truth is, you know what? They're, they're, they're hanging out. They're doing all this stuff. And it wouldn't really matter. It's like, you guys don't even realize I'm here. I could like go away and like come back in two hours time. You wouldn't even realize I've gone away. That's actually not the way it's supposed to be with the Holy Spirit. That's not the nature of the Holy Spirit. That's not the way we're supposed to be walking with the Holy Spirit. If you think about it, our relationship with the Holy Spirit is actually supposed to be a little bit like a dance. Now, in 2004, I did something really significant in my life. I met this cool girl called Andrea, and the first thing I thought when I saw Andrea was like, mm, mm, mm. she is good looking. She is like hot. You know what I'm saying? Fellas, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Absolutely. There we go. And the thing is, I found out that Andrea did salsa dancing. So for six months, in 2004, I did salsa dancing to get Andrea. And it worked. Hey, we're married, got two kids, praise God. All right, it worked. But I learned something in those six months about my relationship with God, which I didn't think I would learn. Um... And it was like, let me put it like this. Have you ever danced with someone? And I know you're over there, and the way that they did it, it was like, you sort of like take turns. You learn some um, sort of moves, and you take turns, and, and you swap partners. So you get to dance with lots of different partners in the night, and um, it's really good. And for the most part, it's fantastic, because you're over there, you're doing your thing, you know, bam, 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 you know, tall, dark, handsome, got a bit of rhythm. 
Fantastic. And the girl sort of comes and, and, she, and, and for the most part, they're smiling, they're having fun and all that. But there comes one girl every now and then and you look in her eyes and it's like, whoa, this ain't going to go good. <laughs> this is not going to go good at all. And you can see you know, her eyes like, you better not even think you're going to be leading me. And, and you're over there and you try to like sort of turn her and she won't budge. And it's like, has mm. anyone ever danced with someone who like sort of like fellas like, and they, you just can't lead them? Anyone ever done that? You got the guts to put your hand up? Probably married to her, no. <laughs> and like that kind of happens, and and, and and the thing is, like, you'd be over there and saying, Well, you're not going to lead me. But the whole nature of dancing is that when, when the fellow's over there and trying to lead a beautiful lady, the guy's not forcing it, all the guy is doing, he proposes a move, doesn't he? He just proposes it. It's completely up to the, to, to the woman whether or not she's led or not, but, but the guy just proposes it. And if you go along with it, well, then you can be led. That, that, that's the nature of dancing. It's just a, a, a proposal. And you may not even know what the, what the step is a couple times, like, like three or four steps down the road, but, but, but you sign of you're led, and, and at that point you know what the next step is, and then at another point you know what the next step, because the guy proposes a step and you go along with it, that is, very, is a very good illustration of what our relationship with the Holy Spirit is supposed to be like. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force, he will not impose, but he will, uh, he, he will propose the next step. He will say, okay, you know what? I reckon your attitude needs a little bit of checkup right there. Or you might sort of say, you know, you see that person you need to go. He proposes. And it's up to us whether or not we will be led. That's what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to have this, this sort of like mm, third wheel um, sort of experience with, with the Holy Spirit. He is intrinsically, intimately wanting to be involved in your life and in my life. And these guys, they are sent out from their relationship, from their relationship with God, uh, relationship with Jesus. Then... Now, when it comes to our nature, our relationship with um, the, whole, the Holy Spirit, let's quickly just mention this. We tend to see sometimes, I mean, the Holy Spirit can be a very provocative subject, right? I mean, you can have like sort of fanatical stuff and, and all that. And um, basically, I think what we see is that there are, there are two lines of strong tradition in our faith in our Protestant faith in particular. And two, two lines are there's a holiness tradition and there's a charismatic tradition. And the holiness tradition comes predominantly from a guy called John Wesley and um, from the Methodist movement. And his whole message was that about Christian perfection. And the idea was that the Holy Spirit is in our life so that we become more like Jesus. It's about the fruit of the Spirit sort of coming in. And, and, and churches could lean on that and hold on to that. And, and you know what? Everything about that is absolutely right and true, isn't it? That we need the fruit of the Spirit in our life. That, that we all have lust. I mean, you're not as good as what you think you are. And I'm not as good as what I think I am. I do have secrets. I do have... Like, the, if you knew what went through my head, um, you would think you should not be a senior pastor. You know? We all have those things in our life. And it's the fruit of the Spirit that actually enables us to overcome those. Yeah? So that's absolutely true. But the charismatic tradition is not necessarily so much about the being. It's more about the doing. Yeah, and you go into like places like this and you hear about teachings of empowerments and anointings and missions and, and all that sort of stuff. The gifts of the Spirit. And you look at that and that's absolutely true as well, isn't it? But what happens in churches sometimes is one church will sort of say, we're like, 
it's all about being more like Jesus. And they look at like a charismatic church and say, that's wrong. And then this one say, that's wrong. And they sort of bump heads. Have you ever sort of experienced that? But with all traditions, usually, it's a tension. We hold both. We have to hold both. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit is about holding both. We are becoming more like Jesus, but we are empowered to do some remarkable things with God as well. And, um, and that's what we have to do. So our relationship with the Holy Spirit is paramount. And you've got to think, you know, if we've got this amazing relationship with the Holy Spirit, how do I see some of that stuff happen? You guys had a miracles month lately, haven't you? How do you see that? When are we going to see that? How do you see that? These guys are sent out from their relationship with God, with Jesus. But it's interesting to see what the arena of their living was supposed to be. The arena of Christian living is paramount to seeing things come out in our life. Verse 6. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. The arena of Christian living is so paramount if you want to see the stuff of God. It is so paramount. Um, I think of this sort of idea. I love golf. Does anyone else love golf here? Mark Pomer is good at golf, right? No, not anymore. He used to be great. Because like any time anyone wanted to play golf, they went with Mark. He used to be great. But I love it, right? I'm not great. I'm bit of a hacker. But I love when you get a little white ball and I get my, my driver out and I have a good hard swing, right? And that ball just goes sailing down that fairway and it goes like 250, 270 meters down there because if I was better, I'd be like 300. But I love that sensation. It's amazing. But you know what? I can't get my, I, like, I got my clubs, I can't get my clubs out now and like put up over here and have a good wild swing in this building, can I? Because like, it just, it just wouldn't work. I can't do it from my front yard. If I want to experience that sensation, if I want to have that experience, I have to be in the right context. I have to be in the right arena. And as far as golf is concerned, it's about going to a golf course and going on that first tee in the fairway and hitting that thing out there. See, the arena is really significant. The arena of Christian living, check it out, go to the lost. The arena of Christian living is with the lost. That's where the arena is. It's with the lost. That, that if we are to see um, more of God moving, if we're going to see those signs and wonders and miracles, it has to be out with the lost. That's where Jesus sent them out. I mean, Jesus, they, these guys are hanging out with Jesus. They're kicking it. They're building their relationship and all that. But when they went out to the lost, what were they doing? They were healing the sick. They were driving out demons. They, they were cleansing leprosy. They were doing all of this remarkable stuff. And the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be the embodiment and the mission of Jesus, which is actually going out to the lost. It shouldn't be about like sort of staying in this little building and, and like we've got nice little screens and all that. And no, it's actually about going out to the lost. That's where our mission is. That's where the context of Christian living is. So here's the thing. If you want to see more miracles, signs and wonders, guess what? We need to get out there. Because as soon as we're out there, we'll start seeing some really cool, radical stuff. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that you are the light of the world. We need to be confident in the light that's in us. Because we have the power of God. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And we just need to go out there. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. We will see some amazing things that will actually blow your mind. One thing I've sort of seen in my life is that there has been no part of my Christian life that's been boring. 
You know what? I sort of, some people come to me and sort of say, like in, in, in Kelmsco, and sort of say, you know what? I feel like life is boring and drab and, and it's beige and all that. And I'm thinking to myself and I say to them, if your life is boring as a Christian, you're doing it wrong. Because there is nothing about Christianity that should be boring. I mean, imagine, right? If you live a boring life and like, we're out there being Jesus, say, so, come to Jesus. Maybe he can do for you what he's done for me. Yeah? That's just nuts. From a young age, we, it is kind of hot-wired into us, this thing of adventure, isn't it? Yeah. My little girl, I do not have to tell her to go and open that cupboard and go get a spoon out and start smacking the floor. And From a young age, she wants to explore. She wants to investigate. And my part as a parent is not, to, is not to quench that because I want her to be courageous and bold, especially as a young woman. But from a young age, it is hot wired into us that we are supposed to explore, have this amazing adventure. We are doing life with God. And any time we are partnering and doing something with God, something exceptional is going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, I'm telling you, it, far out. My, my life is, wow. I look at my life and I think, gee, whoa, that's amazing. It's amazing. And it's not the case, right? I think sometimes, I've talked to some, some guys in our church, that they've sort of got this understanding that they come to church on a Sunday and it, they come to church to get filled up so they can make it through the week. Almost like God's like Red Bull, right? Yeah? I mean, seriously, God Red Bull. He, like, he come over here, take a Red Bull. Oh, man, I've got something I can make it through. Church, this is great when we gather. This is fantastic. But you know what? This, this is all about coming together, worshipping together, serving together. And we recalibrate and Mark will come up here or someone will come up here. And it's kind of more like a coach. Sort of saying, come on, we can do it. Let's go out there. And all that. But the game is not here. The game is actually out there. We are not potent in here. We are happy. We are great. This is fantastic. But we are potent and we are dangerous for the cause of Jesus Christ. When we leave this building, we get out there and we are completely go nuts out there. That's what the church is supposed to be. Christians are the most feistiest people on the face of the earth. We are. We're the most passionate people. We are. It's good. No, we'll, get, we'll get there. <laughs> but that's who, that, that's who we are. But the arena is out there. Let me challenge you. Let me give you an encouragement. If you want to see more of God in your life, yeah? I, I, I go through life and sometimes I think it's like there's this, this sort of damn cloth that's sort of come over me. and like, Oh my gosh. But let me give you this encouragement. If you want to, if you want to see more of God in your life, if you want to be more passionate for the cause, if you want to get more fire in your belly, get out with the lost. How in the world do you heal the sick if you don't know any people who are sick? How do you cast out demons if you are scared of demons? The power of God is inside you. How do you love the unlovely unless you're with the unlovely? And here's the deal. There's actually a reason why they're called unlovely. How do you do it unless you're out there? How do you do it? I love the city of Belmont. It reminds me of the city of Armadale. There are so many issues. So many needs. But we are Christians, we don't see issues and needs, we see opportunity. There are so many opportunities for God to come and radically transform this community. What would happen? Someone said, you know, Christians don't say lies, they just sing them in their hymns. It's true, isn't it? Because if we took those words 
And if we truly believed him, and we truly, and this is for me, right? I, I, this is what I think every Sunday. It's like, God, if I take those words, and if I truly believe those words, and if I truly outwork, it would completely, radically transform the surrounding community. Absolutely. The surrounding community. What would happen to the unemployment rate? What would happen to poverty? What would happen to the fact that we, we, we live in communities where, 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 where fathers are off in jail and, and, and there are single mothers and, and there's violence? What would happen if we actually took that and we took that revelation, we took that truth and we actually went out into the lost? We went out into the community and we're stumbling along the way because we're trying to figure it out. We don't, have, we don't know exactly everything that we're doing, but we have the intent that we want to take it out there. Something remarkable could tr- truly happen. Something absolutely remarkable could truly happen. The arena is so significant. And lastly, what is the attitude of Christian living? What is the attitude of Christian living? Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And here's the attitude. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, Freely give. Because here's my deal, right? I like to love people who I think deserve my love. Yeah? I mean, I love to give to people who I think deserve me to give them something. I like to do it for people who deserve it. Cahill Gibram wrote this. You often say, I would give, but only to the deserving. The trees of the orchard say not so, nor the flocks of your pasture. They give that they may live, for to withhold is to perish. Isn't that what scripture says? He who refreshes will himself be refreshed. Isn't that the foundation of our faith? That our life is supposed to be this river, not a lake. That as we give... That we ourselves get refreshed. But what we have in our hand, the encouragement of Jesus was to freely give. Because sometimes we can reluctantly give, can't we? Like what Lou was saying. Or in my case, you could be like an Indian giver. You know? You ever met one of them? And you sort of give, but then you sort of take back. So give, that's really mine, and take back. Give and take back. But what does it mean to freely give? This is a real challenge for some of our guys in, over in our church, and especially when it comes to Tuesday nights with our cafe leader. And you know, you have some guys over there, and they're saying, "Oh, my goodness, look at them! They're just greedy. They're coming back for seconds, thirds, fourths, fifths." And I'm sort of saying, "Dude, hey, chill out. Whatever's in there, that's between them and God." But God's saying to us, "We need to freely give, and we need to be generous." Had some other people come up and say, "Dave, you know what they say?" You know, you give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. But if you teach him, he said, yeah, I get that. So we'll teach him a bit later on. But for right now, let's give him a fish. And let's give him another fish. And let's give him another fish. Let's, I mean, seriously, do, I, do we think our God is not big enough? Do we think our God is limited? Our God is huge. He is big. He is magnificent. Our God cannot be contained. And we are children of our God. And if God tells us to freely give, guess what? He has the resources to continually put in our hands so we're continually freely giving in this local community. Could you imagine what could happen in the city of Belmont? There is, this is no accident that this church is right here. This church has an amazing heritage. 
an amazing heritage, a huge heritage. This church has been built on the shoulders of giants. I know that. I've known, I've known of this church for years and years and years. It is built on the shoulders of giants. But as we are here at this moment, at this time, in this season, the greatest honor that we could possibly give to the previous generations and the previous giants is to extend what they have built upon and actually take it further. That's what we're about. Yeah? That's what we're about. So what does it mean to be sent out by Jesus? To be sent out by Jesus. It means we're sent out from our relationship. Can I encourage you? We're going to close up so maybe the band comes. Let's not have a third wheel when it comes to our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to be intrinsically involved in every part of our life. And you know, the Holy Spirit, it's like that dance. He proposes a step. But then it's up to us. Are we going to take that step right now or today? Holy Spirit might be proposing some steps. There may be some steps that he's proposed a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago. Hey, the Holy Spirit could have been proposing the same step for a couple of decades. But he is so amazing. He is so gracious that he will come and say, okay, this is the step. This is the step. This is the step. This is the step. And if you're bold and courageous enough to take that step, he'll show you the next one. Our relationship's amazing. There is nothing mediocre and small about your life because you walk with God. But from that relationship, understand the arena is with the lost. Who's in your life? And it's not this manufacturing thing because even in the arena, the Holy Spirit still proposes the step. And it may be a step that you never thought of before. It could seem just so weird to you. But what could that step be? It might be just a random step to go meet the principal at Belmont City College. It's just a step. It's just a step. It could be just a step. You see someone on the side of the road say, hey, g'day, how you doing, mate? It could be as simple as that. It could be someone in a cubicle next to you at work and they've just been like just the nastiest person and the step is simply this, just go say, how you doing? But from that step, another step comes. But the arena's lost. You don't know what that step will bring. And in that moment, in that step, the attitude is whatever is required, whatever is needed, whatever you can see at that point, give it freely. Give it freely. Just freely give. Freely give. It could be as simple as someone saying, you know what? Got someone come up and say, Dave, going to the hospital. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. Can I pray for you? It's amazing. It doesn't matter if they are Christian, non-Christian. I am continually amazed that when I say, can I pray for you? People say yes. And the thing is, when people say, yes, Dave, I'd love, I'm happy for you to pray with me and for me, that opens up an avenue for God. Because I'm a conduit, I know that. Because I walk with God. I walk with God. And I'm not intimidated. Because we are the most powerful people who walk on the face of the earth. We are Christian. 
We are Christian. When we wake up in the morning and our feet touch the ground, the devil goes, holy beep. Because he knows what could they possibly do. He is petrified of you. We need not be intimidated by what we see. Because everything we see out in the world, they are nothing but opportunities for God to show how awesome he is in and through us and in and through our church. Yeah? Cool. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, we do come before you in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that even in this moment, there will be an infilling. And even if people don't even understand what that terminology, that language means, that's okay. But you're still doing something. You're doing something. Father, I pray for dreams. I pray for thoughts. Father, I pray that you would come and you would revisit what the next step is. What's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? This magnificent dance. This majestic, overwhelming, fantastic adventure that you place before us. May we have the courage to step into it. May we not be like the children of Israel who were right on the cusp and they could see the promised land, yet they wanted to go back. May there be boldness and courage in this church to step into what you have prepared and what you've said, this is yours. Father, I pray a stirring, a stirring, an unrelenting stirring in the heart that you would not let us go, that you would continue to pour that fire on. And I pray for opportunities, God. Opportunities that will grow us, that will stretch us, that will intimidate us, but we'll step into them anyway. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you're here, just keep your eyes closed and heads bowed. Now, we always want to give opportunity for people to make the most significant decision that you will ever make in your life. And that is a decision to follow Jesus Christ. The Bible will clearly say and articulate that throughout all of human history, there's been this bigger story. And it is a story of God's love. It's a story of God's unrelenting pursuit for you and for me. It's a story that says that, that God's not against us, He's actually for us. That, that things have happened in this world and there's been a disconnect, but it is God who has initiated. It is God who's intervened. And it is God who has made a way that anyone and everyone can be part of this amazing family of God, can have purpose, can have life. See, the Bible's very clear that God's made his choice. He chose you. And he's just waiting to see if you will choose him. That is the gospel in a nutshell. That God has chosen you. That God loves you. Who will you choose? Who will you choose? And the Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be part of the family of God. And I don't know your story, you don't know my story, but if you are sitting here and you know that you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, or maybe at some stage, you know, you, you were you were part of God's family, you were a Christian, and you walked away. I did that. I did that at the age of 18. I walked away. But there is a sense, there is a stirring inside of you that God is calling you back. I just want to quickly pray with you. 
I'm not going to call you out the front. We're just going to pray a simple prayer together. And if there's no one here, that's fine. We're not about hands and all that, but this is just an opportunity. So if that is you, why don't you just quickly lift up your hand. We're going to pray together. It's a hand at the back. That's awesome, man. Anyone else? If something had to happen tonight, I mean, where would I be? Would I be with God for eternity? Or would I be away from God for eternity? That's cool. Why don't we all just pray this prayer along with this amazing guy at the back. Say, my God in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I do believe that you sent Jesus to die for me so I can live with you. From this day on, I'm a child of God. I'm going to live for you and I'm asking for your help. In Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Sweet. Hey, um, it's been good hanging out with you. I didn't go too much over because you took up my time. I'm going to hand back over to Louie. I didn't. I was... Can I say the funniest thing though? Like Mark's over at our church. He says, like, he's pretty, like... Here we go. Pedantic. And uh, this isn't being recorded, right? So he so said, Dave, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes. He comes to Kelm's got one hour. Bang. And I'm thinking, Mark, Are you just shocked? took up your whole service just with your... <laughs> nice one. Anyway. We're so shocked. <gasps> that was awesome, Dave. Thank you so much. Really, really cool. Who felt challenged this morning? I did. Sitting there going, oh, jeepers, all right, I'm listening. Um, and as Dave was talking, the thing that kind of stuck with me, that um, I declare that, that this is the heart of Elevate, that we increase with favour with man and God. It's somewhere in the Bible. I can't remember. I'm always sometimes good, sometimes bad, but I know that it's in there. So check it out. All right, so which one? Proverbs. Proverbs 3. I thought it was there, but I was a little worried because I'm like, oh, I'm thinking trust the Lord and all of that. Anyway, that... That is really resonating with me, that we increase in favour with both man and God. And with that, we actually have the leverage to do the stuff that he calls us to do. So I'm thrilled and I just pray that, that God kind of bubbles in your heart this week and really investigate what he's actually calling us to do and be. Love it. Who wants a coffee? Yes, I do. What is it? Tell us, O oh Guru Coffee Man. Baru, Baru or Peru, Baruvian Grace. It's a limited edition, peeps. So drink up and enjoy. Have a fab week. Want to hear good stories about what God is doing in your life? Email them through, please. Want to hear them because I want to see what God is permeating in this community. Awesome. Have a fab week.